Tyler, you have music to go with Be That My Vision whenever you oh, yeah. Alright, so first I'm going to read uh, Mark 10 46. Forty-six through fifty-two. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard, I'm gonna stop right there for a minute. I just now noticed the Bartimaeus and Timaeus thing. Bar means son of or of Timaeus. Verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus, and answered. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to re- regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight, and and began following him on the road. Right. And if you would turn to Isaiah chapter 40. That's going to be our text again for today. All right, let's pray. Lord, open our eyes as we go through your word. Lord, open our hearts to receive your spirit. Lord, we pray that your spirit would guide us, not only through the service, but through each and every day. Lord, help us to lean on you. Help us to trust in you. Lord, help us to be bearers of faith. Lord, help us to be those who walk by faith. Lord, help give us clarity as we speak your word, as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, give us a burden to do that, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, Isaiah 40. uh, This morning we're going to begin in verse 21. Do you not know, have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, 
Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them, and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I would be as equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. All right. So we're continuing our, uh, I guess you say, a small series on living Quorum Day or living before the presence of the Lord. I remember, I think it was Tyler had shared on Facebook some of the uh, volcano erupting. And what, what was the name of that island? Tonga. 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 Tonga? Yeah. Yeah, not far from Australia, New Zealand, Fiji, yeah, Papua New Guinea, I think. But it's I mean it's really it's kind of set out there in the middle of nowhere. But the fact that it could be seen from space was pretty amazing. But you think about that, and then you look. Have you seen the the pictures of it with the whole globe in in perspective? It's like this little mushroom blimp down here in the bottom side of the earth. It's weird how things get put into perspective like that. There would be no trace on human life from earth if it was not for the lights that we have on. You wouldn't be able to tell what we were or that we were even here if it were not for the lights and for the things that we move. Earth build cities, things like that. So another aspect of living in the presence of God or living before his face is contemplating the magnitude of God. We think about uh, earth and we think about the big things of earth, things like mountains or volcanoes, things like the Great Plains, things like plateaus, things like... Things like the Grand Canyon. And they strike awe in our hearts. And we stand before them and wonder that these things actually exist. And how big they are. And how many, you know, how that creative uh, work of God took place on these things. And then think about these things are small, tiny, insignificant and in some cases unnoticeable 
if you think about the perspective of God throughout the entire universe. I saw a thing uh, a while back that they took a high-powered telescope and aimed it to like the left side of the moon at a certain time, a place where there appeared to be total blackness, and concentrated it there for several hours and drawing in as much light as they could And the pictures were pretty amazing because I can't remember how many galaxies they were able to pick out, but it was just like a cluster of galaxies they were able to see just in that one small piece of sky that appeared to be pitch black. Now we measure getting to these places in light years because... We can't even really fathom a light year, but that's the only thing we can, the fastest thing we know of is light. But how much more infinitely huge is our God? These galaxies spin in different directions. They hold multiple stars, if not millions of stars. And they do exactly what they were designed to do. They strike all And they give us a show. Somebody asked one time, why was God create all these different places? What does it matter? Ancient man would have never even known they existed. But God, knowing that we would be looking and proclaiming that from the foundation of the earth, that we would know of his power by what he had created. Think about just the earth for a second. It says here that God sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Just think about the global picture. Think about looking from space into the, the atmosphere of the earth and how insignificant we are to that picture how insignificant we are think about what we talked about some last week how if all the cedars of Lebanon I think it was had burned it wouldn't be enough to catch God's attention how if you offered up all of the animals that it wouldn't be enough for God's holiness or to appease his wrath Now think about Israel here. They're hearing these things because destruction and judgment is coming. Remember the attitude of King Hezekiah. He said, oh well, as long as these things do not happen in my day, it should be fine. But looking to the future is what we were always meant to do. Looking to the generations beyond us is what we always should do. Think about this. If our generation fails to proclaim the glory of Christ in the world that we live in, there is subsequent consequences that could result in generations for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And I think we see that now. Because God is infinitely magnanimous, how is it 
that the insignificance of us compared to the significance of the universe in size, how is it that God has counted us as significant? Why does it matter if we do wrong, if we are only a small part of what God has created? My argument would be that we are the only thing that God has created in his image. Canyons, mountains, planets, stars, moons, even just the contemplation of space. All these things created by God, meant to point back to him, but none of them have been created in his image. That is us. When we consider the magnitude of God, we must consider that he is the creator of all things. That he has created the heavens and the earth. He has created people. He has created them in specific ways. He has created them male and female. He has created them in a way that we can enjoy his creation. He has created us in a way that simply by standing erect, we can tilt our heads back and look into the night sky. He has made us intelligent. That way we can manufacture telescopes or microscopes to be able to see the small things of God and the large things of God. And he has given us the writers of scripture to reveal to us that this was not all simply done for him to show off. It is God's glory that we should seek. Because after all, he is the only one worthy of it. It is God's glory that the things around us should reflect. Take this pulpit, for example. Minerals from the soil, sunshine, and water. Over time, a tree grew out of the ground was cut down, was shaped and molded by craftsmen, and assembled to be something useful to worship. Think about all of the uh, altars that were built in the Old Testament. What were they built of? Stone. Stone that God had scattered all over the face of the earth. Stone that seems to rise up out of nothing. Mountains that seem to be pushed up through the ground for no apparent reason. Saw a picture yesterday of Chimney Rock. Why is it even there? Why are the great plateaus there? What purpose do they serve other than to appeal to our eyes? They offer no position. They offer no usefulness other than 
what they offer to us who are believers. That is something of the magnitude of our God. Here's what God says about us. We're like grasshoppers. Think about that next time you mow the lawn. It says he has stretched out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He reduces rulers to nothing. Makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Says something about our lawsuits. Scarcely have we been planted. Scarcely have we been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. He merely blows on them. And they wither. And a store carries them away like stubble. Now all this is not comparing us to anything else other than God. There's no other comparison offered. There's not us compared to deer or us compared to even one another. This is us compared to God. What is your life more than a vapor? That's becoming more apparent the older we get, I think. When you start knocking on the door of 40, when yesterday you were 20, you start to realize that, hey, maybe this won't be so long after all. When you start to think about 200 years ago, and then you start to think about who existed 200 years ago, and you can only come up with a handful of people knowing that there were millions, you start to see that maybe there's something bigger than us. Here's the question, though. Understanding the magnitude of God is one thing. Understanding that he is big or that he is powerful is one thing. Now, how do we live in light of it? How do we live in light of atoms and subatomic particles? How do we live in light of galaxies, stars, planets, and space in general? That from the very smallest particle to the greatest piece of matter, even to the amount of room that that matter exists in, it lies in the control of God. And we are part of that. And God has counted us as significant. We behold his glory. We behold his creation. We behold what he has made. And we are supposed to give him glory for it. These things are meant to strike awe. From the color changing feathers on a wood duck to the Rocky Mountains. From all the animals he has made to the creatures that we cannot even see. All these things are meant for us to glorify God 
It meant for us to do these things, recognizing that we do them in His presence. What attitude do we have about this? We really don't do God justice at all. We really don't recognize Him as He is at all. If we take away that everything He has done, He has done for us. And truly, you will not draw your next breath without Him. And that's meant for you to know something more of Him. So what's the magnitude of God? Leah was an engineer. Maybe she has a formula, but I don't know of one. I don't know how you would calculate it. I don't know even how you would find the... I guess we could take space and divide it up into cubes and start doing the calculations from there. And we could use up a lifetime of two or three, four, five, six million years worth of generations if you're an evolutionist. And still not have an answer. But to be put in South Arkansas layman's terms, our God is big. He's huge. But our God is faithful. And our God knows each and every one of us. Intimately. It's something for us to get busy and have too much, so much going on that we can't give attention to some of the things that we love the most. And it's another thing to contemplate that God has the entire universe in his hands turning exactly the way it should maintaining every course that he has directed it to take and still has time to love us in Christ Jesus actually time's really not a thing to him but it is to us God is amazing. And we live before his face. God is incomparable. And he stands with us. Never absent from him. Never alone. Never out of the realm of his authority or control. Always abiding in this creation. This world is not our home, may be true enough, but this world is the place God has created for us to live now. And our home is with Him. The way I understand the Bible is one day this world will be made that place that we live with Him. And we should be looking forward to that. And by God's sustaining power, tomorrow, if he so wills, 
the sun will rise. Men have made predictions. They've gotten down to the minute when the beams will crack over the sunrise or the horizon. But they were only able to do so because God is consistent. They were only able to make any prediction because God has given us the consistency of creation, the ability to think, the ability to measure, and still the inability to comprehend. Where does the wind come from? Where is it going? We can tell you how fast it should be. We can tell you what it might bring with it. But we can't tell you where it comes from. And it has no end destination except to bring right back around. As God so wills. Just like water. No more, no less. God has designed it to be recycled continually. I think it was the riot and the dance thing where he said uh, the very water that spilled out of the side of Christ still is in the atmosphere of the earth today. If you don't know if it's in a pond in Arkansas or in a sea in the Indian Ocean. But it's here. It's with us. Our God is amazing. We'll finish up next time. Um, The God who gives strength. The God who loves And really the comfort that that should bring each and every one of us. So let's pray and we'll sing our closing hymn. Lord, thank you for being able to gather on your day. Thank you for having the ability to come, to worship, to read, to sing. Lord, to be able to enjoy one another, to be able to fellowship. Lord, we pray for those who could not be here, who are sick. Lord, we pray for those who are in the world, Father, that we would have a heart for the gospel to be taken away from this place and into the world, Father, and that you would renew it afresh in our hearts each and every day, that you would convict us, that you would cause us to want to know more, to want to study more, to want to love you more, Lord, and to be led by your spirit and not by the desires of our hearts. Father, we thank you that you have given us the grace and mercy in Christ Jesus and we forever can't express what that was for us. But Father, we want to glorify you in that. And we thank you for these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.